Hi, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome back to Speaking of the Arts. Today, we're going to take a look under the hood here at our agency, and we're going to be talking about new artist projects for the 2019-2020 fine arts booking season. So if you're listening, you're going to learn about which of our artists are doing what, when they're available, and, and a lot more. And here to talk with me is Matt Morell. Matt is our East Coast booking agent. He also books our artists in Asia and South America. Matt, I think it's about time you've been. You, I think it's about time you were on this podcast. Thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, I, uh, I'm glad to be here and, and talk about these artists we we work with. I, yeah, absolutely. It's that it's that time of year. So one of our goals right. this year, yeah, one of our goals this year was to produce a booklet, an artist booklet that presenters will hopefully find really useful and not simply discard at the conference hotels. And so mm-hmm. yesterday we sent the new brochure out via a major email blast, and I'm pretty encouraged by the response. We got a lot of people writing in saying how much they appreciate having this this information up front, and I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I'll probably say it a few other times, but if you're a presenter and you're you're listening to us talk right now, and you didn't get a copy of it, send me an email. It's just michael at epsteinco.com, or you can also send one to matt, matt at epsteinco.com, and we'll send you a copy of the brochure. Yeah, and what's interesting about the brochure, when you when you take a look, it's, it's kind of, it's less like your average brochure where there's a bunch of information on the programs, and uh, it's more, it has like list of stats, whether it's uh, the specific available dates, the different types of uh, configurations, and even some quotes from other presenters, which I think was a cool move, Mike, where you kind of reached out to a bunch of presenters to give us basically a testimonial on, on these artists that they presented. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover of it right now. And so we have on the cover, it says, uh, what are, are, what are presenters saying? <laughs> and then instead of saying a brochure book, we actually have it saying, our 2019-2020 artist data book. So like, Matt, you just mentioned, there is actual concrete data in here. We have artist gross ticket sales information, configurations, and availability, as well as select touring dates from from the past so other presenters can see who's presented these artists and uh, who has presented these artists before. Matt, why don't you start us off here by talking about Maria Schneider. She's the first artist to be uplisted in the booklet. Yeah, so if you're if you're on page two of the book, you kind of see the layout of uh, it gives you her average show gross and also availability, which we're honing in on spring of 2020. Um, I, there's also on the next page you can see select tour dates from 16 to 18. So we put up a number of venues there, and we wrapped up a pretty big spring tour uh, in 2018. So Marie is taking some time to write uh, and basically is starting to work on in the early stages of the next album, which if all things work out, would come out in spring of 2020. But the orchestra is 19 pieces on stage, uh, 21 or 22 in the total traveling party. And, you know, the music kind of speaks for itself. I don't know if you want to just try to describe it briefly, Mike, but um, I should mention she's got an APAP showcase coming up, which is listed in the book. And I don't know, you want to kind of explain what Maria Schneider's all about? (laughs) Well, I think... I like that you just mentioned we've got a showcase for this coming APAP because that's a great opportunity to see the band. She's going to do two shows at Birdland on January 6th, one's at 8.30, one's at 11. And, again, that's an excellent way to see what this 
artist is all about. We should also mention, she, it was, and this was just announced, she's now officially an NEA jazz master, which is awesome. It's huge. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's well deserved. So, yeah, why don't we um, why don't we kind of move on to our next artist here and let's talk about Pedrito Martinez. Yeah, so Pedrito uh, has two projects kind of coming out um, this next season, but he's had some great success so far this year. Uh, he had a duo project with Alfredo Rodriguez, and we have a bunch of dates going out in the spring, um, you know, everywhere from Sanders Theater in Boston to we get the Jazz Standard, the Kennedy Center. That's just in my uh, Northeast Territory. But these guys sound amazing together. Both uh, Alfredo, if you don't know, is a brilliant Cuban pianist. And they are working on an album that will be released in February. And in, uh, in addition to that project, we also have Pedrito's group, which has been you know, performing together for over 10 years. And they're going to be going out in the fall of 2019 uh, for an album release for the group as well. And the group is different from the duo uh, in, in a number of ways. And I don't know if you want to talk to that, Mike, but uh, this last day past season, we had the duo do a couple nights at Dizzy's and then the group do a couple nights at Dizzy's and amazing performances, but but not the same in, in some ways. Yeah, not the same at all. I mean, the Pedrito Martinez group is, I think it's best described as a dance party. In, in fact, he'll actually, before a show, see if he can kind of ask people ahead of time, usually women, to be on stage at the end of the show <laughs> dancing, which sounds kind of funny when I say it now, but if you're actually at the show and you've just seen the intensity and energy of this group and, and the fact that everybody in the audience there at the club or wherever it is is dancing, it makes total sense to kind of end as a party on the stage. So, you know, that's kind of the group. And, I mean, they've played – some huge shows recently. They did, um, let me think about this, they played at the Hollywood Bowl last year. Uh, they've played every, you know, a mix of clubs, fine arts um, organizations, so and festivals. So they're just a great, great show. But the duo, Pedrito and Alfredo Rodriguez, very different. I mean, this is a um, very intense sort of virtuoso performance with two of arguably the greatest Cuban musicians right now. Uh, and like you just said, Matt, we had we had them performing at Dizzy's as part of a showcase uh, contrasting with the group, which is really cool. So it's exciting to be able to offer both of these projects of Pedritos again. Yeah, and I just, I, I like to mention because seeing Pedrito last few times, I've, I've seen him about three times this year in different configurations, and he's always been known for, you know, being one of the best percussionists uh, in the music, but I can't discount his voice because he's got an amazing singing voice, and Alfredo actually does some singing too. But but that just adds the performance. You should you should check out some recent videos uh, of Pedrio and his group and and see what we're talking about. So very excited for right. him. And um, and next up in the book is Delphio Marsalis. Yes, and one of Delphio's passionate projects of the last few years, actually longer than that, probably five or ten years at this point has been a group called the Uptown Jazz Orchestra, and they play every week at Snug Harbor in New Orleans. And we've had the group start to play uh, all around the country at a number of PACs and festivals, and the responses have been just totally awesome. Uh, so the, the technicality of it is it's a 16-piece orchestra, and 
we should also mention, of course, Delphio will always be available to perform with his quintet, and he's also an excellent guest clinician for anybody who does residencies with artists. He has general availability next season, fall of 19, spring of 2020, and I think like most of our artists, of course, the best way to understand what this show is all about is to see him live if you can, <laughs> or you can check out one of the videos. Matt, what do you think about the Uptown Jazz Orchestra? Yeah, they're they're not just, you know, they definitely have a New Orleans background of what they're doing, but they combine, you know, brass band and second line sound to some real old jazz and it's and it's it's not without a lot of fun. There's some vocals uh from guys in the band at Delphio and you know, as Mike said, these are these are some of the hardest working guys in the business and they do it on a weekly basis. I think for about 8 years now at, at Snug Harbor. Um, and also Delphio, you know, is probably one of our most in-demand artists for, again, as you mentioned, education and residency opportunities. He is able to, you know, work with a, a, a college big band or a university big band, rehearse and sit in and put on a killer show that way, too. So he's he's available in many different ways, um, but he really has the big band tradition down. Yeah, and I would also make the point for the specifically for the Uptown Jazz Orchestra that that the name is actually a little bit misleading. I mean, it's not anything like Jazz at Lincoln Center, that orchestra, which is a very classical, I hate to use the word classical, but it's more of a classic jazz ensemble. But the Uptown right. Jazz Orchestra has this incredible tradition and energy of New Orleans. So they start the show with a second line marching through the audience. Um, if you've ever seen some of the really famous brass bands that have come out of New Orleans, you can hear those influences in the Uptown Jazz Orchestra, and Delphi was very conscious of that. So it's a very high-energy, interactive show, and the responses we've received from other presenters has just been awesome. I think I would do Delphi a disservice yeah. if I didn't mention something else that's really exciting that happened this year, this past winter. Uh, he performed for the first-ever jazz festival in Saudi Arabia, and that was really exciting. So I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to move on until I mention that about him because that was awesome. Yeah, he's he's an ambassador of of New Orleans music, definitely. He really is. Have, yeah. Uh, yeah. You you want to talk about Donnie next? Yes, let's talk about Donnie McCaslin. So we don't have to go into the whole pitch of his collaboration with David Bowie, but if you don't know, he wrote a lot of the music, and it was Donnie's band on David Bowie's final album, Black Star. But what we're excited to talk about right now, as as we speak and record this, actually, is a major fall tour for Donnie in support of Donnie's new album called Blow, that's B-L-O-W, Blow, <laughs> coming out in October, and we have like a 30-city tour booked for him. It's no, it's like nothing he's ever done before. It's uh, It's basically, at this point, it's a rock band. You can describe it as, I don't know, art rock, maybe? What do you think? Yeah, I, I would say it's it's most influenced by, you know, the Black Star process. I think with Donnie after, you know, after David passed right after that album came out in the same weekend, um, you know, the band got really tight musically and kind of stayed in, in maybe more of the jazz influence thing that they had been doing previously. But this new record seems to really be kind of more influenced by the music of Black Star, whereas Donnie's previous album was probably more influenced by the artistry and uh, brilliance of, of Bowie and his processes. But this new record, you know, sounds like 
a follow-up to Black Star in many ways, and there's vocalists on most of the tunes. It's It does have a new sound, and, and we're totally psyched about it. We have two singles as of now up online already, a music video, and we're rolling out a couple more singles in the next month and a half. So we're really excited to get this music out to the masses. It's going to be it's going to be a big uh, and it's a big going to be a big fall tour for Donnie definitely. Yeah, the the tour is covering most of the major markets in the U.S. And so if you are a presenter, please check out. You can go to our website or Donnie's website, DonnieMcCasland.com, and check out the tour schedule. And of course, we would. Gladly add you to the guest list if the show happens to be in your city. This is really an exciting show to see. Yeah, and we're really getting getting those dates really get uh, rolling in uh, September, September 11th in Philly. So we really get it get it going. So yeah, totally yep. excited for the new album, and the album will be out uh, as you mentioned in October. Yeah, great. So let's move on. So now we've got uh, Fred Hirsch who obviously you and I are biased when it comes to all of our artists, but we firmly believe Fred is the leading jazz pianist of his generation, or maybe other generations as well. He's His music kind of bridges the gap there. And Fred is busier than ever. So was it last year? I think it was last year maybe. It was announced that he was the one of the Doris Duke Artist Award recipients. Mm-hmm. Well-deserved. He also released a memoir called Good Things Happen Slowly. And Amazing. So, yeah. yeah, it's such an inspiring story if you don't know the story of Fred. And also, I should mention, we would we'll gladly send you a copy of his book if you are a presenter and you're listening. It's, it's worth reading. It's very, it's just a, an amazing story. So why don't we talk a little bit more specifically about what Fred's doing next season? Because there's a few different options for him. Yeah, well, well, this, Season in the, in the spring of 19, we've, we've been able to put together, um, some tour dates for Leaves of Grass, which is this program that Fred created about a decade ago. And it is, uh, the words of Walt Whitman set, set to the music of Fred Hirsch. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of great, uh, poetry in it and, and Fred's kind of haunting, uh, composition style, but he's got Kurt Elling and Kate McGarry doing the vocals for this project and he's backed by an octet. Uh, we saw it at Lincoln Center, uh, last September, I want to say, and there were a couple promoters there who just fell in love with it. So we were able to get some tour dates and they're excited to do it and want to keep doing it. So hopefully we can, uh, talk about that for 1920, uh, lining up some tour dates. It's, I, I don't know if you could describe the program much more than, than what I've said, but the, uh, it, it's pretty phenomenal stuff. It really is. I mean, you have, the like you just said, the poetry of Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass set to original music by Fred. And when you have Kate McGarry and Kurt Elling singing the, the lyrics, it's just a gorgeous work of art. And so we're really excited to get to have more opportunities for Fred to do that in the future. Fred also has a longtime running trio and you know, these, this is a really special band now in the world of jazz, and they've played all over the world. And if anybody knows Fred, or if you don't, uh, hopefully we're teaching you something new about him, but he's an extremely prolific artist. And what I mean by that is he releases an album every year, if not two. <laughs> and so this trio has just really gotten much more notoriety, I would say, in the last three to five years than ever before, and it's well-deserved. So... The trio is always a really wonderful configuration of Fred 
And then uh, Fred Hirsch's solo is something that's a very special concert. He was the first artist ever to do week-long solo engagements at the Vanguard. And if you've ever had the experience of watching or listening to a Fred Hirsch performance, you know that that's something that's very special. And then last but not least, uh, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about the duo with Annette Cohen? Yeah, they actually put a record out this year, and uh, Mike and I went down to see them again uh, to perform in a duo setting. And these are just two amazing artists. Uh, and not was mainly on clarinet, which she is one of the best clarinetists out there. Um, and they've been doing the duo program uh, as well as Fred does a number of duo programs. Uh, he does an annual one at the Jazz Standard, where this is where we saw him with a knot. He's also done duos with uh, Julian Lodge over the years, and and we're kind of able to, you know, in some cases, put some interesting programs together. But um, between the duo with a knot, and again, is you know, just to mention the trio and solo records that he puts out regularly. I mean, they are regularly nominated for Grammys. He's a 12-time Grammy nominee, and uh, you know, he's. The product that he puts out is just amazing, and the reviews are are always on point. So definitely excited for that. He's doing a a showcase, we should mention, too, at APAP at the Village Vanguard, and that's January 1st through 6th, and that'll be with the the trio. Yep, so definitely check that out if you can. Uh, So why don't we move on then? Oh, sorry, were you going to say something else about Fred? No, it's just, you know, as we get closer to the – to the conference, we'll, we'll definitely uh, reach out to those on our mailing list about guest list opportunities for, you know, getting to these showcases. We definitely want as many of you to come out as we can. Definitely. And we will also have more showcases to announce probably towards the end of this year. So stay tuned for that because we've got great opportunities to see our other artists perform in January as well if you're going to be at the APAP conference. So let's talk about Kat Edmondson. Do you want to start, Matt? Yeah, uh, we started working with Kat uh, last year, uh, towards the end of last year. She put out a great record in May of, of mainly music that, uh, but I think it's all original music. She's You should check out her latest uh, YouTube video. It's called A Voice, and it's one of these beautiful tunes she's written. She's got about 300,000 views in the first three months. And we're just really happy with the uh, record release tour that she did back in May with us. And we're going to be uh, bringing back that same quintet on the road, uh, which features Matt Munisteri on guitar and then uh, rounded out by bass, drums, and piano. And uh, I, that's kind of the specifics about what she's been doing. But shes I should just mention, I, I've seen her twice in the last year, and they were two of the most memorable performances I've seen in a, in a long time. She just, <laughs> the way she connects with the audience is, is really unique and, and you can probably put it in better words, Mike. Well, I think you, I think you're totally spot on. I mean, it's a very, it's like one of the few shows and I guess it sounds cliched to say, but you will laugh and you will cry. <laughs> I mean, she <laughs> right. just knows, yeah, she just knows how to interact with the audience in a way that's both at times hilarious with her, banter between songs and also very touching with some of the stories behind some of her songs. It's a really special experience. And she's got general availability for fall of 19 and spring of 2020. One other thing to mention about Kat that people who are listening might say, oh yeah, Kat Edmondson, I've heard of her. So several years ago, she put out a song um, called Lucky, which has over a million views on YouTube. And I'm only mentioning that because Kat is somebody who's 
very she has a wide range with uh her both her voice but also the style of music she's producing so she's kind of done some major things in the pop world and then um with this latest album it's more of a singer songwriter uh singer songwriter album with some elements of jazz she's also been in a Woody Allen movie um Cafe Society so she's she's been a lot yeah she's been out there and it's just a great performance um and as you mentioned, you know, she toured with Lyle Lovett for a number of years. She's been on all the, you know, morning, daytime talk shows. And, and we're just great to have this this album that she's – it took her a few years to put this out, but she's written all the music, and it's it's a great album. And the tour is <laughs> – definitely recommend it if you can if you can get Cats Here City. Right, right. I agree for sure. And, uh, and I was also going to just say, you, you mentioned the uh, morning news show she's done – She's also done some of the late shows, too, so she's really gotten a lot of exposure, and her career is only going up. We're so excited to be working with her. Yeah, and then we have uh, another vocalist next in the book is Renee Marie. Uh, not really similar to Kat, but but also has this just amazing amazing stage presence and, and way of connecting with the audience, but different, different from the way Kat does, I would say. Yeah, very, very different. So I think whereas I would describe Kat more as – a singer-songwriter, um, Renee is carrying the torch in the great tradition of jazz singers. And if your reference for that is Ella Fitzgerald or Sarah Vaughn or any of those singers, it's, it's, it's definitely in that tradition. But, Matt, like you were just saying, the, for me, the exciting thing about Renee is the way she, uh, the way she connects with audiences on stage and that she is a, she's a storyteller, both in her mm-hmm. own music. Yeah. And just, it's, it's such a, fun experience to go to a Renee Marie show because not only is she an amazing singer and her band of course is amazing but it's a it's a unique experience and you can't really get that anywhere else you know I'm kind of scanning through some of the tour dates she's done in the last few years or some of the ones she's also got coming up and she's played a lot of the most prestigious places in this country I mean she's played the Spoleto Festival a handful of times Symphony Center in Chicago the Savannah Music Festival the Royal Conservatory in Toronto you know, Spivey Hall in Atlanta. So people are recognizing that Renee Marie is, is the real deal, and rightfully so. It's, it, she so deserves it. Yeah, and that's kind of the comment you get from, from people who have been working in the, you know, booking jazz artists and, and vocalists for, you know, numbers of years. They they get it. They seem to get it. We get the same feedback all the time. She's she's the real deal. And uh, yep. in her most recent project, I should always I also mention, was uh, – uh, a lot of original music and she's going to be right. recording again soon. And I'm sure she'll be continuing to add to that, uh, that the songwriting she's doing. Cause it's really, it's really cool. I mean, it, it sounds like you're listening to standards at, at times when you hear her put on some of these songs. So it's, it's a great experience. Yep. And we should also mention that both of her most recent albums were Grammy nominated. So I think it's just a matter of time before she wins one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Don't tell that to Fred Hirsch. <laughs> Well, it's a matter of time before he wins one, too. <laughs> yeah. Twelve nominations, but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> and I then we have... Uh, alive, no doubt. Yeah. 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 Another Grammy-winning band uh, on our roster who's next in the book is Spanish Harlem Orchestra. And, you know, I got to say, there was a, a real moment of pride um, a, a few weeks ago or last month when they were in the middle of this, what was it, 10-date Canadian festival tour and I think they wrapped it up in Montreal with a performance on the main stage. Um, I was watching a video 
you know, it starts off, it's kind of zoomed in on the stage and you hear the music and then it zooms out and there's 15,000 people, you know, I've been told between 15 and 20,000 people in this, in the crowd, just dancing and having a great time. I mean, that's, they're the ultimate party band. I don't know if you have a 15 to 20,000 seat venue, but they can bring that <laughs> type of energy into a, into a smaller space or, you know, an outdoor space. I've seen them before outdoor in Providence and it's just, they're, they're one of the most entertaining and fun bands to see. And it's definitely a dance party. So right. look up a YouTube video yeah, on uh, salsa dancing before you, before you get to the show. Well, I was just going to say that. So, so for me, before we started working with them, I had heard of salsa music. I had probably seen salsa music. I had probably listened to salsa music. But this is this is kind of like the the salsa band, and it's it's not. If, if you think you know what salsa music is, I think you should do yourself a, do yourself some justice and check them out because it's not. I don't think it's what you think it is. It's, it's so exciting it's like one of those things where i watch kind of like with pedrito although pedrito is not a salsa group but i watch spanish harlem orchestra and i wish i could dance <laughs> because <laughs> right it's just it is very exciting also you have the whole cultural aspect of the music and the fact that these guys are carrying the torch of that tradition um is really exciting you know so there's a lot more to this show than just the musical notes that they're producing. There's the cultural aspect and the history of salsa music and everything like that. Not to mention that they are a killer band, so it's really fun. Right, and, and they've been doing this band's been together for 16 years. And if I could just sum them up in you know what separates them from other salsa bands, bands or Latin, you know, Latin 13 piece bands. We should say it's a 13 piece uh, group. Right. The thing that separates them the most is is just how tight they are. I can't. Yeah. I think that's. I can't come up with a better word. I mean, mus- the musicality is. That's what you know. If it's a little loose and it's a, and they're playing that type of music, it just doesn't hit you the way it does with with Spanish Harlem Orchestra. So, always excited to see um, the the success uh, from those festivals and the crowd, just loving what they're doing. So. We definitely want to bring them out again in fall and spring of this next season. And we're talking about 13-piece uh, band based in New York for the most part. And yep. uh, we have a bunch of tour dates in there in the book as well. Yeah, and they. I think the last thing I'll say about them before we move on is they are the 2018 Monterey Jazz Festival commissioned artists. I don't know if I'm saying that all right, but the point is, is that every year the festival selects an artist to um, commission a brand new work of music. And so this year, Spanish Harlem was selected. So next month, September, they're going to do that at the festival. And I kind of wish I could get out there and go see it, but I don't think I'm going to make it. (laughs) So if anybody happens to be in that part of the country, um, I hope you can enjoy it because I know that they're going to produce something really special. Yeah. Uh, Next next up, we have... um the brilliant Edmar Castaneda, who's yes. just so much fun to, you know, see live and, and to talk to him, be around. He's just a, a, a brilliant guy. What, he's a, a pretty unique musician, I would say. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I agree. And we, prior to doing our, our podcast here, we decided we were going to try and make this as conversational as possible. But I'm going to take the liberty here and just read the brief one-sentence program description that we came up with for the book, um, because I think it kind of says – a lot about Edmar's personality and his energy. So here's what we came up with. If Art Tatum, Buddy Rich, and Yasha Heifetz all came back to life as a super musician with the superpower to wield a custom-designed concert harp and fight good over evil, 
you'd still have to see Edmar Castaneda perform with your own eyes to actually believe what he's capable of. So obviously the takeaway there is the instrument that he plays. It's, it's, um, it's a harp, but it's, it's really like nothing you've ever seen. He sounds like four or five people playing when he plays. He has, you know, he can play the bass line, the melody. That's just the Edmar solo performance. And we book a lot of shows for his quartet. Um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about them and some of the places they've played? Yeah, so the, the quartet is uh, usually Edmar with drums, a uh, horn player, and a vocalist. And if that if that sounds a little strange, uh, you just don't know how it works with his his harp. It really is is pretty amazing. He he plays his custom Columbia harp and had some great shows this year at uh, MacArthur Theater in Princeton. Uh, they played Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, and uh, he's played the Newport Jazz Festival a few times. And some more in your territory, UC Davis, it looks like Mike and Interlochen, uh, yeah. does really well in Miami, I know. So he's, but what he does is, is just, you know, take a minute to, to look up his quartet on, online and, and see what they can do. Cause it's really hard to explain, you know, it sounds like, yeah, flamenco guitar meets, <laughs> meets concert harp meets all these interesting, um, parts. And, uh, you know, he's just this great Colombian harpist. Right, right. And I and I think we should also, just for presenters listening, just to really try and paint the picture of how exciting he is. So I want to read a brief review. He just played at the Major WOMAD Festival. And the oh, right. Review, yeah, and the reviewer ended uh, his review. You know, he went through a bunch of the major artists. And then, so he ended the whole article, and I'm just going to read this really quickly. And he says, then there was Edmar Castaneda, a Colombian harpist whose virtuosic experimental command of the instrument proved mind-blowing. From strumming like a Spanish guitar to palming it like flat bass to pitch-shifting individual strings, the inventive techniques were also at times simply swept away by the sheer speed and rhythm of his joyous playing. It was utterly unique, much like Lomad. So I think that does it just about as well as either of us could sell it. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. like, how do you describe, first of all, if you, you know, how do you describe the harp to somebody who doesn't know what the harp is? But then how do you describe Edmar Castaneda, Colombian harpist, to somebody who's never heard of Edmar Castaneda? It's kind of hard to do. Luckily, we live in an yeah. era with YouTube, so <laughs> please check out Edmar on YouTube. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, we have the um, Moroccan traditional folk band, Eno Ganawa, which uh, yes. is is also very unique to our roster and, and I, you know, specifically what they do is, is music I probably would say I never really heard of or knew much about before hearing them for the first time. And, and every time I've seen them, I, I get in some sort of trance <laughs> for, right. for one reason or another, but, but there's, there's actually a his, history behind that. Um, yeah. And well, how, trans- how old is it? Yeah. Yeah. How old is this music? This Ganawa music? This is, thousands of years old music and trance is actually a key word because so the music originated in like north africa in morocco but what but uh ganawa music is sort of like known as the north african blues but not quite blues like uh american blues so trance the word again the word trance is pretty key there because while it is pretty repetitive music um it it also has found its way into much more contemporary settings. So an example is the DJ who I always mispronounce his name. It's either Bonobo or Bonobo, depending on who you ask. They've Bonobo. Done a... <laughs> Bonobo, okay. Like I said, depending on who you ask. <laughs> so they right. did a collaboration, I think it was just last year, and it resulted in Eno Ganawa being nominated for a Grammy for 
uh, that album, or, or I should say the song on that album, and they it was played... Best Dance Song, yeah. Best Dance Song, yeah. So they played, like, major festivals, Coachella, um, you know, they did, like, a huge show at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado, and please, you know, look up, uh, again, look up on YouTube, Eno Ganawa. As far as the band itself, it, they usually travel as a sextet, sometimes it's a quintet, and they have availability in the fall of 19 and spring of 20. They also are very, very passionate about teaching people about the tradition of Ganawa music. So we have a week-long five-day residency in Palos Hills, Illinois, at Moraine Valley Community College, where they're going to be working with students and telling them, teaching them all about what the tradition of this music is. It's a really cool opp- uh, opportunity for students. And, you know, if, you don't ha- if you're not associated with um, a student body, you could, we could still try and figure out a way to maybe before a performance have them do a workshop with your audience. It's really something they're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah, and, and they're also versatile in a way. We've, Mike, we've seen them perform in like a club setting and also in more of a performing arts setting, and they they really, you know, make it work either way. I mean, I've seen them in a hot, sweaty Brooklyn club, you know, to, mm-hmm. to college-age students just dancing to this music that – <laughs> that that you know, one guy at this at this club referred to as I, I I love what they're doing, but I cannot count this and I can't figure out these rhythms, you know, or something. It's that's kind of yeah. you know part of the experience is just hearing this these amazing traditional rhythms. Um, so they're a lot of fun and and you know they're able to travel uh, and and yeah, the educational part you're talking about is is something that they can do as well. Yeah, and we should mention that they're not. I don't want to scare people when we say North. African, this is a Moroccan band. They're actually all based in New York, so they are in the U.S. Right, and able able to work. Yes, able to work. All right, so last but not least, we have the very exciting, eclectic band of Magda. And let's just start with some of the basics. So this is a five-piece band, and they have availability fall of 19, spring of 20. What else can we say about them other than having to say, well, you have to go to YouTube and check out how unique this band is because it is a very unique band. Yeah, also a little bit hard to describe. You might want to say it's world music, but not in the mm-hmm. normal sense of that term because it's their, their world music in the sense that they have, um, you know, so many influences from different parts of the world. You know, they right. there's a lot of songs that are sung in French, but they're, you know, over, you know, bossa nova rhythms. Uh, a couple of the percussionists in the band and that sounded in this band um, who are available on most of the dates are, are also two members of Snarky Puppy. And the band is led by Magda Yanaku, who's just this brilliant um, composer and uh, singer and band leader. You know, she plays, um, she, she plays, <laughs> she plays all the instruments. Um, yeah. And, accordion is one of the unique instruments that she plays. Right. Quite a bit on stage. And, and I've just seen amazing things at her concert. I've seen actually people, you know, be so touched that, you know, move to tears with the beauty of what she does. So at one point at a Joe's pub about a year ago in, in New York, she, she went out into the middle of the crowd and, and kind of stood on a table and uh, conducted the crowd into three part harmony while the band played these, you know, this, this thing behind them. And it was just beautiful. So it's a, it's an amazing live experience, and Magda is this great composer who is doing a lot of great things uh, in 1920 that we'd like to tell you know tell you more about. I would say right, yeah. And I'm looking over their touring history from the past year or so, and 
like a lot of artists, it's a very they like well you kind of just mentioned it, but they play in a variety of different settings. So, for example, Banda Magda has performed at PACs like Purdue University, um, the Great Longwood Garden series in Pennsylvania, the University of Richmond, but then they've also done shows at the Virginia Arts Festival and the Montreal Jazz Festival. So, again, they can kind of fit in any setting. And your story of Magda coming into the audience and conducting them is that totally describes her personality. She's probably one of the most passionate people about her music that I think I've ever met. Yeah, and she and she's also a little, you know, can do some more interesting programs as well. Like at the Virginia Arts Festival, she uh, brought a four-piece string quintet. I'm sorry, string quartet, if it's four-piece, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, she's got some different settings and has a lot of uh, experience with education. Um, it was at, uh, I believe, the Jefferson Center last year. She did a uh, – the whole band did a week-long residency that was just – you know, uh, there's a note from Cyrus Pace at the Jefferson Center in the book. I, I don't know if you want to read that quote, but he was he was definitely blown away and is going to have them back, I think, with the string quartet. <laughs> Cyrus, if you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, do, you yeah. want, do you want to just read that quote really quick, Mike? On, <laughs> yeah, do you want to read that so, quote really quick? <laughs> yeah, I'll read it. So Cyrus, uh, uh, he, he wrote, Banda Magda is a no-brainer booking for any PAC or community venue that wants to present dynamic music that is both accessible and global. In addition to some of the most engaging performances we have presented, Banda Magda is a powerhouse for educational outreach. So, you know, there it is, firsthand from a presenter. It's it, That's kind of what you're getting with this group. Um, I'm scanning back through the pages, Matt, just to make sure we didn't miss anything, but I, I feel like we covered pretty much the gist of what our artists are doing next season. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. And, you know, we're just gearing up and getting ready to meet with all of you at these conferences. So I hope we can, you know, yeah. definitely get on your appointment list and, and start working on those soon. Mike, you have a couple of conferences coming up really soon. Yes. So I'll be back at the Western Arts Alliance Conference. That's uh, I'll be at booth number 132. And the Arts Midwest Conference, I'll be at booth number 219. And then, of course, both of us will be at APAP in January. It's like you just listed, like, our tour dates. That was kind of cool. <laughs> That's our road show. That's our show. All right. All right. Well, Matt, thanks for taking the time to go through this with me today. And one more time, if you're a presenter and you're listening, you can email either of us, and we'll shoot you a copy of the book. And we hope to be in touch with you soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Yep, bye.